Well, we often talk of the battlefield victories and losses and how they shape a war. But further from the front lines, oftentimes we're seeing it in Ukraine right now, a whole other army can often help sway the outcome of the fight. It's volunteers. It's those who fill the voids, those who fill the needs of a country at war. Um, so in this case, Halifax, during the Second World War, which had been a city of about 80,000 people in 1939, suddenly became the epicenter of the war effort in this country. As host to the soldiers, sailors, and airmen of an entire nation, Halifax faced a serious problem. Its normal living and entertainment facilities were designed for approximately 70,000 persons. And during the war, this population had almost doubled. But Haligonians are, first of all, hospitable people, and secondly, resourceful people. And throughout the city, there soon blossomed a multitude of entertainment centers, clubs, and hostels for all nationalities and services. Their sole purpose was to supply entertainment and living quarters for visiting servicemen. Sole purpose, but it was an incredibly important uh, service that was being provided by all these volunteers, this army of volunteers, women mainly in Halifax, who banded together often informally to make sure the city could cope as its population swelled. Their contribution, of course, went all but unrecognized at the time, even afterwards, as women uh, after the war drifted back into different roles. But a new book called The Volunteers looks to honor the many whose work during that war period provided stability and comfort from food to shelter to clothing to social events and everything in between that really provided um, a home base for Canada's war, war effort. Leslie Lowe is the author of The Volunteers, How Halifax Women Won the Second World War. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. So tell me about, tell me about your interest in what is a an untold story, uh, or at least a not oft told story. Yeah, well, it really is a not oft told story, the story of women volunteers during the Second World War. And my interest came because, uh, well, it came because I actually didn't know very much about my grandparents um, during the Second World War, and specifically my grandmother, her role. So a lot of my book is focused on North End Halifax and, and downtown Halifax, and that's where my grandmother lived and worked during the Second World War. And I had started hearing stories about women who had done a significant amount of volunteering. And it really struck me that I didn't know anything about her, but also that I had never asked her whether she had volunteered. And it struck me that it sort of played into this, this problem we have when it comes to women's contributions is that the contributions weren't really recognized at the time when, if it was just, you know, civilian volunteers doing the things civilian volunteers did. And so they weren't tracked very well and they weren't memorialized afterward. And I realized that I was kind of playing into that because I was just assuming, oh, she had nothing to do with it. She must, you know, not be part of it. So I started looking into that. Because we do hear so often, of course, about the battlefields. We know that part of it. We often hear about how women filled the void in factories and so on in the jobs vacated or at least left behind by men who went to war. But we don't often hear about the work that women did to, and, and you point this out uh, quite poignantly, that Halifax was entirely ill-prepared to have that many mm -hmm. people arrive in the city. And it really became Canada's front lines, right? Yeah, it really did. So what essentially happened was um, at the start of the war uh, in September 39, the federal government 
you know, Halifax didn't ask to play this role, but the the federal government decided that Halifax would be the launching point for the war for all Canadian service members. And so that meant about half a million service members passed through Halifax over the course of the war. Those half a million service members were not really even the full picture because many of them brought their families with them. There were also war workers, there were diplomats, there was all manner of of people who were involved with the business of the war, for lack of a better term, and they all ended up in Halifax. And, you know, I found six women volunteers when I was researching this book, and they all talked about how small the city was before the war hit and how amazing it was when the war hit, but then how truly taxing it was that there were so many, so many people here. So uh, women in it, there, and, and you said this happened organically, they simply went about filling the void that had been, or filling the need that was suddenly there mm-hmm. with this many people and that few services. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that is really how it happened. So there were a number of service organizations that stepped up, the St. John's Ambulance and, and Red Cross and the Junior League. But a lot of the work was done just by women. The way I characterize it in the book is is that, you know, they were just nipping in these moments of volunteerism kind of in the course of their of their day. Um, And so some of these women worked, many worked in the home, not outside the home. And so it was a matter of, you know, in the 10 minutes you had between doing one task and doing another task, you might sit down and and knit a portion of a mitten, you know, and by the end of the day, you might have a, a mitten knit. And so you would donate that. One woman would ask another woman, oh, can you help me to, you know, I'm going to make dinner for five service members on Sunday. Can you help me do this? And so women would get together that way. And and it really added up to a significant, significant portion of help. Yeah, you mentioned at one point that women in Halifax provided some 52 million hot meals. I mean, that is a lot of, yeah. that is a lot of, it's funny because we've been talking obviously this year about the war in Ukraine and how, and it's different, mm-hmm. but, but how people there simply recognized the need and went about filling it. And it feels yeah. like it was similar here that, that there was a need, but if the need goes unmet, it has an impact, doesn't it? That's right. And that was, you know, that was a big point of contention during the war because the municipality and, and individuals certainly asked the federal government to step in at different stages, but the federal government was really clear that its role was not keeping Halifax afloat. The federal government's role was funding the war, um, war preparedness and and battle. But what they had sort of inflicted on Halifax really made the city start to falter in a number of different ways. So I talk about, you know, there were epidemics of diphtheria and meningitis in the city. There was severe overcrowding. There was significant homelessness. So Halifax, along with, I know many other cities in Canada are dealing with a housing crisis right now. And that was, you know, certainly something happening during the war. There were some 600 to 800 service members every night who were without places to sleep. So, you know, there were, you know, you might go to a school gymnasium and find a couple hundred service members sleeping on, on the floor of the gym. A lot of women wanted to support the war effort, but I think they also were really touched by the need that was severely impacting their community and their city. One of the things about the book I found really interesting is how the volunteerism spread right through cultures and religions that were in the city at the time. 
Yeah, that's definitely true. So um, individual religious institutions all had dances and then also in communities too, because while there was not legal segregation in Halifax or Nova Scotia at the time, there was a kind of de facto segregation. So if you were a white service member, you could go to a dance anywhere. If you were a black service member, you couldn't. And so there were individual organizations, probably too strong a word, but like community centers or other places like that, that sprung up that would provide for, for example, black service members where they would have dances and dinners. The Jewish community really stepped up. The Greek community really stepped up. And that that was so important, not only because it was, you know, closing in some of the gaps in terms of the help that people needed, but it also allowed people to feel that they were, you know, supported in a way that they were familiar being supported. And, and that was such a big thing about the work the women did broadly, because a lot of the work was not, it wasn't anything extraordinary. It was making somebody a cup of tea or, you know, it, it, sewing a button on somebody's shirt or or doing small things. But if you're a 19-year-old from Saskatoon who's being shipped across the country and, and off to the war in Europe, I think that makes a really big difference in your life. Yeah, I, I think it would have filled, uh, if it had, again, if it hadn't been there, imagine. The magazine aspect of this was an interesting one, the magazine yeah. repository, I think it was called. Yeah, the Central Magazine Exchange. Yeah. So there were there are a few different organizations that um, that shipped out reading materials to um, mostly to outposts and to ships that were leaving. But people would come and drop off their used magazines. And then there was this small army of women who would bundle all the magazines up and and then service members could come and pick up loads of them for their ship or for an outpost. They would sometimes deliver them. And that was really, really important because you know, hours and hours and hours at sea, the men needed something to keep their spirits up and to keep them occupied. And that that filled a big role. Did you, um, and of course, many of these women had their loved ones fighting, right? And they, they weren't, uh, this was, yeah. they were involved in the war effort as well. What, um, how should we remember them then? Uh, it, it seems like after the war, they kind of went back to their lives and this whole part of their effort in all this was, was sort of uh, forgotten about to some extent. How do you think they should be remembered? Yeah, it really was forgotten. And that's, that was a, quite an interesting part of my research, because I could, you know, I spent quite a bit of time at Library and Archives Canada, and also the Nova Scotia Archives and the Halifax Municipal Archives. And you can see in each of those archives in the material that the war ended, but we knew the war was ending. It wasn't just, you know, one day the war was raging, and the next day the war was over, there was some sense that it was coming to an end. And so along with that, there were a lot of preparations for the memorialization of the contributions that Canadians had made to the war effort. And what we saw was, or what I saw was, you know, a lot of memos going back and forth about where cenotaphs would go. And this, at the time, there was this um, push toward memorial gardens rather than cenotaph type edifices, a lot of communications about this but almost no communication about the need to recognize the role of women and particularly Halifax women as we remembered the war. And so I think what happened was, you know, the war ended, people were jubilant. And then I think women kept working really in Halifax because repatriation took a very, very long time. Um, It wasn't just that, you know, (laughs) the beginning of May came and then everybody was home. It took, it took, 
years for everybody to come home and everything to kind of close up. So a lot of the work women did continued well past the war. And then when it stopped, the women kind of just faded back into their lives. You know, they had been, as I said, a lot of them had been doing this work kind of in informal fashions. And so it wasn't that odd to just, you know, let go of one small part of your life and then another small part of your life that was volunteering. And what essentially happened was the women really didn't, uh, they really didn't see value in the work they had done. Um, And they certainly weren't told there was value in the work they had done. And so it was largely forgotten. Did you ever find out what happened with your grandmother, what she had done those years? Did you find the answers to those questions (laughs) at long last? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I know she attended some dances, but in terms of, you know, personal archival material, zip, she passed. So I could never ask her. And so I write quite about that, quite a bit about that in the book, how, you know, we have these resources around us and we need to make sure that we collect that information. But even I have to say, even the women that the volunteers that I did get in contact with and interviewed, every one of them echoed that notion that, yeah, oh, I didn't do very much. You know, they're like, no, it was no big deal. Everybody did it. And I think that was certainly true. It was it was very ubiquitous in Halifax. I think everybody pitched in. But I think the women really sold themselves short when they talked about how their contributions didn't matter. Leslie Lowe, thank you so much. Thank you so much.